Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We continue today with our series on power from the parables. Many of you have given me your favorite parable, and I'm going to include it sometime this year. If you didn't get around to that, you're still welcome to submit your favorite parable. Today, the parable about the mustard seed is a parable that comes in a context of parables that we often call kingdom parables. These particular parables is when Jesus would say, now the kingdom of heaven is like this, or how shall we compare the kingdom of God? What are we going to use? And he would pick some kind of image that makes an imprint for the message that he has. Now, when I heard mustard seed in scripture, and I was reading about it and thinking about it, as I got older, I experienced mustard seed, but it's not the same. When we think of mustard seed, we think of something different, even though it is really small. Here is my association in our first work in Tennessee, we lived behind the church building in a big area, and they tilled up a garden area. And the janitor for the entire facility came by and he said, Can, how about you grow me some mustard plants? Now, I like mustard greens. That's my favorite of those. And I said, well, I've never planted any, but I like them too. So how about you tell me how much do I get to plant? And he said, this will catch you, one pound. <laughs> well, now, a mustard green seed is the size of the end of a pencil. And when you get a pound of those things, man, you've got some mustard. You could, I could have sown the entire city of Huntingdon, Tennessee. And I put it all in that one garden right there because that's what he said to do. Boy, did we have mustard greens. That's not this. When Jesus looked and he found the image that he's going to use to compare the kingdom of God, it wasn't that. In fact, he looked and he said, it's the mustard seed. Yes, smaller than any of the herbs. There are three accounts of this parable, Matthew 13, Luke 13, and ours in Mark chapter 4. But when Jesus looked at it and he said, that mustard seed, when planted, when sown in the ground, becomes a plant, a tree, that is able to house birds who build the nests in its branches. I read one man yesterday took a tour in the Middle East, the Bible lands, and the tour guide said, pointed to this little bush and said, this is what Jesus was talking about as the mustard seed, not the tree that people think. And the reasoning the person had for that was, see, we're not supposed to interpret the way that most people do the parables of Jesus. I tell you what I'm going to do. 
I don't care if that person is a tour guide in the Bible lands and lives there. When the Bible says that it was big enough to be a tree and support birds living in it, I'm going to think it was this one and not that one. And here is this one. Grows up to be about 25 feet tall or so. Has these leaves up to about three inches. And apparently the leaves, the goats eat them, camels eat them, people eat them, whether cooked or dried or whatever. And it does, in fact, have a mustardy taste to it. And they have these flowers on them. And these flowers each have one of those itty bitty seeds. You might think, well, that's a waste of a flower. There's plenty of room for more seeds. Don't need it. Because that seed can do everything that it intends to do. Jesus said, you look at that. You look at that tree. And I want you to learn a lesson about the kingdom of God. Now tonight, I'm going to ask the question, how do we grow a church? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has had opinions for a long, long time. And I'm going to ask, how do we grow a church? And what is it we learn from this mustard seed to grow a church? But today, this morning, let's think about the power in the parable of the mustard seed. If we look at this parable, Jesus had a purpose in mind. And his purpose was to say, here is the church. Here is the kingdom. This is what is coming. Now, church and kingdom are often the synonyms. Sometimes the word kingdom is bigger because it talks about the place where God rules, which is all of earth. The church is the saved, the ones who have been a part of the call of God. But the word church is also used to include those who have gone on before who are faithful. So it's a little bit bigger than what we might think. But often they are also used in similar things. Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and I'm going to build my church. He didn't give Peter keys to something different than he built. So he used them interchangeably, even though they're not always used that way. So today when Jesus said, I want to tell you about the kingdom that is coming, I, I think we can say, all right, here are some universal principles that God wants us to know about his church, his kingdom. And I think about these. Number one, Jesus said in using the seed, it's coming and it's going to start small. It's exactly what that seed represents, something very small. In fact, if you remember this, Jesus spent his time for about three years preaching and teaching. And the Bible talks about all the multitudes of people who came out to hear him. Multitudes that were following him around. 
multitudes such that he had to get off the bank where he was preaching and into a boat because of the press of the crowd. And yet, after he was crucified, and right before that church came into existence, Acts chapter 1 tells me there were only 120 disciples. That's it. 120 people. It started small. And yet it sprang up quickly. One of the things I read about the mustard seed was if you put it in the ground and it's moist, which is what it prefers, even though it'll do as it said, it'll last on eight inches of water a year in that environment. But in its planting stage, if you put it there, it'll sprout in 24 hours. The church was small in its beginning. But when it sprang up, it sprang up quickly. Because on that first day, they went from 120 disciples, Acts 2, to 3,000 souls who obeyed the gospel that one day. And you don't go far in the book of Acts without reading the continual records of growth and additions and things happening in a positive way. Yes, it started small, but when it sprang up, it was ready to go. Number three, the strength is in the seed. It still amazes me, the power of a seed. Any seed, it doesn't matter. It's powerful. I'm still amazed, as I know you are, at the power that lies in the human fertilized egg to make a human. We refer to it as a miracle. It's not. It's just really, really fascinating. In fact, it's the most natural thing there is. The power was in the seed. And Jesus was saying, this seed, when it's planted, it'll do its job. It will work. There is power there. And the power is in the seed. The seed is the Word of God. And the power that we have at our disposal is the power of the seed, the Word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. That little seed containing the power to become a 25-foot tree is the same power that empowers the growth of the kingdom that Jesus said he came to establish. When that seed sprouts and grows, it's a place of refuge. Birds come there for the point of having a place to be. 
Even Jesus, in talking about the birds, I think had a point. The psalmist in chapter 11 in verse 1 said, Flee as a bird to your mountain. In other words, Jesus said, That tree is a place of refuge. And he was implying and stating that the seed that produces the kingdom of God provides a refuge for people who need it. And finally, he didn't say that only a few birds or a certain type. He just made it available and said, any bird that wants to fly there can build a nest there, can find shade among the leaves, can find nourishment. That's what it does. And when Jesus said he planted his kingdom, he said it would be a kingdom that would include every single one. It would include anyone who wanted to be a part of it. Anybody who answered the call. Because Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. And Paul said of himself in 1 Timothy, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. When Jesus used the mustard seed that grows to the mustard tree, he was giving us these principles about his church, his kingdom, what it would be and what it was intended to be. Now, what am I supposed to do with that? We can know the facts. We can understand the concept of what the church is. And we can say, okay, that's the church. But what about us? I think we should take these kingdom principles that Jesus mentions here. And I think we should say, well, now these kingdom principles are meant for us as a local version of the universal church or kingdom that Jesus established. And the principles that I can find here in this seed image will help us as a church. It'll give us information that we need as a church. And we, as a congregation of God's people, are representative of Jesus' universal kingdom. So what am I supposed to do with it? Let me give you these ideas. Number one, the size of the local congregation, the local representation of God's universal kingdom is not a measure of its strength before God. There are churches, there are congregations of God's people who are few in number, but they are people whom God recognizes. They have a strength all of their own and there are churches that number in the multiple hundreds. And just because they have those numbers is not an indication that it's strong, but rather the size is what it is. And its strength is what it is. 
But size is not the main thing. I read in Romans 16 that Paul recognized a church that was meeting in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. And I don't think that that church could have numbered in the hundreds. And yet he recognized them as a powerful church. In fact, he recognized, verse 6, a man who seems to have been converted from that group of people, a man named Eponidas. The size of the church does not measure its strength. Now granted, what the size is determines what is expected of us. Now that's a fact. But our strength is who we are and what we make it to be. Just as those little seeds have very small size, but their power lies within. And our power as a church does not lie in the number. Our power lies in the heart and minds and commitment and attitude of the people who make up this church. That's where our strength lies, not the number, the size of our people. Number two, each one grows at its own pace. Sure, that first church, 3,000 souls, one day. And we might be thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could see 3,000 souls immersed into Christ in one day? Think about it this way for just a minute. On that day, those were the only people who were God's people. Right there, 3,000 on that day. I would submit to you that there have been many days when worldwide on the same day, likely 3,000 people obeyed the gospel. I don't want to view it from this building. I want to view it from God's universal church. Tom prayed today for our brethren in Ukraine. I had missionary friends who spent time in Ukraine. Rebecca showed me a, the preacher who was my parents' preacher in Decatur, Alabama, was on a mission trip to Ukraine. He just got out finally and got to Poland. Those are our brethren. But around this world, our brethren are meeting. And there are people obeying the gospel all around the world. And every church is growing at its own pace. And we grow at our pace. We grow at our pace because we know that Paul said, I planted the polis water, but God gives the increase. What else do I want to learn from this? I want to learn that Scripture is the final court of appeal. 
The seed is the Word of God. The seed is, Luke 8, verse 11, defined in another parable about the sower. Jesus said the seed is the Word of God. And Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 23 that you have obeyed from the heart the doctrine and accepted the incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. The final appeal is not to what I like or what you like. The final appeal is not what I want it to be. The final appeal is the Word of God. And anything and everything that supports the teaching of Scripture should be on the table of consideration in any local church of God's people. When we're carrying out what He wants us to do, Whatever allows us to do that and does not deny or change, alter, contradict what Scripture teaches, it ought to be considered and used because we're free there, but we're not free to change Scripture. Number four, as those birds came to that tree for refuge and for a place to be, we ought to be a home. People ought to be able to build their spiritual homes right here in this place if that's what they want. I think Jesus intentionally talked about the mustard seed for that very reason. If that tree can grow and support the nesting of birds creating their families, isn't that what Jesus is saying to us? Isn't he saying that we should be a people representative of that universal kingdom who provide a home for people who need that home? We're a family. We're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, Galatians, 5, or Galatians 3 and 26. And we've been redeemed so that now we're sons and daughters and we can cry out to God, Abba, Father, Galatians 4, 5 and 6. If we're going to follow the image of the mustard tree, we better make sure that we are a tree creating opportunities for families and individuals to find their spiritual homes. How sad would it be if because of who sometimes we are, we instead destroy a spiritual life by a toxic environment. Finally, I think I'm supposed to learn that just as any bird was invited to come to the tree, we should be all-inclusive. We're an inclusive organization. We can't pick and choose and say, yes, you are welcome, but you are not. 
I've been asked many times, well, what if this type of person came? What if this person who is living in a life of sin, blatantly rebellious to God, can they come? Absolutely. Shouldn't they be here as anywhere else? But the difference will come in what do we approve in their lives? Oh, yeah, we, anybody can. But we're going to preach and teach the truth. And if it feels like a cheese grater on their spiritual lives, maybe they'll change. But not everybody who comes to be a part of a church is exactly like anybody else. There are things we like about each other. There are things we don't like about each other. But if a person can't be liked and find a place to be included, then there's something wrong that we can't include certain people. I think Jesus very intentionally told us about a mustard tree for the purpose of telling us who we should be as a church representative of his universal kingdom. Number one, are we that church? Number two, how can we be better? Number three, what are our strengths? How well are we doing? But number four, we want you to be a part. If you've never obeyed Jesus, and submitted your life to Him, culminating in baptism, uh, we would love to have you be a part. I'm looking forward to finding out the details, but apparently there was a baptism last night at CYC. Look forward to meeting that person. Maybe you, today, are ready to obey Jesus or to get right with Him. Our shepherds meet you as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.